just want to say thank you for all the testimonies that were shared tonight. We thank you that little Amelia is with us here tonight. And Lord, that you are providing for us not only just to barely get by, but to replace the entire sidewalk and still save money on the entire project. And so, Lord, we just look to you and thank you for your answering prayer, for working in our hearts, for sending in visitors. Lord, we thank you for positive response from several of the visitors that were here this morning. And Lord, we're thankful that you are working at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. In your name we pray. Amen. I, I do apologize and do not have a regular outline printed for you tonight, but uh, second, First Thessalonians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to see how far uh, through chapter 2 we, we can get in uh, chapter 1, we uh, went through and Paul is talking to them about how that the Thessalonians not only received the gospel, but they were examples that everywhere Paul went, all he needed to do was say, you know the story of the Thessalonians. And... Um, Again, Paul was not there any more than uh, uh, he, he could have been there as little as four weeks, as much as six or eight weeks. Some say six months, but uh, that, that just does not fit the text because as soon as uh, the people in uh, uh, Philippi found out that Paul was there, they came down and stirred up. Uh, the people in Thessalonia, then Paul went to Berea, and as soon as they found out what was going on in Berea, they came down to Berea and, and uh, stirred up the people, and Paul was literally on uh, the run with the gospel, and yet because there were men there that had studied the Bible their entire life, they were attending the Jewish synagogue, they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they needed no more training. They already had training. The scriptures now made sense. It was fulfillment. And there are a lot of people who have a vested interest in trying to make a big division between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And by the way, someone put one of these questions for Pastor Montoro in the offering. It said, how did people in the Old Testament get saved? And how did they know they had a home in heaven? And uh, the uh, I, uh, if you do put this in here, please put your name and the date on here so I can keep track of that. Uh, but uh, people in the Old Testament expressed faith in God by taking their sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem and following the Old Testament law. If you were not Jewish to express your faith in God, you would have to forsake your people and your culture and become Jewish in your culture and your practice and follow the law. Uh, the simplest way to put it is living faith, James chapter 2 produces living works in obedience to God's Word. And every sacrifice in the Old Testament pictured Jesus Christ. It's amazing that 
as we cover this here, Paul would go into the synagogue. He would reason in the synagogue three weeks. And he would then take those who had true faith in, in the true God. They did not change anything but their perspective. We uh, often uh, try to, I often try to illustrate it this way. John the Baptist came baptizing people and they were looking to the coming of the Messiah. They did not know who Jesus was. But after Jesus came, did he rebaptize any of the disciples? No, because they were already scripturally baptized. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John chapter 1, verse 6. And when John baptized Jesus, Andrew, Peter, James, John, in fact, all of the apostles... The would be the apostles were already baptized by John. They were looking to the coming Messiah. Once John identified him, you see, they'd already put their faith and trust, but they didn't know who their faith and trust was in specifically. They automatically put it in the Lord Jesus Christ because they had put their trust in God's message through God's man. Now, later in Acts chapter 19... I believe it was, Paul ran into a group of people who had been taught by a man named Apollos. And all that Apollos knew, he was a Jewish man with a Greek name. I mean, imagine uh, being Jewish in heritage and having the name of a Greek god. Uh, that would make you pretty strange indeed, would it not? And uh, the Bible said he was quite an eloquent man, much more eloquent than the Apostle Paul claimed to be. or any, And he convinced many of the Jewish people, but he only knew the baptism of John the Baptist. Now, this was 25, 30 years after Jesus walked the face of the earth. And so as Paul met these people... He, they introduced themselves and they said, we're, we're baptized unto John's baptism. And they said, well, do you know about Jesus? And he said, no. Well, then Paul taught them about Jesus. And then Paul baptized them. You see, after Jesus comes, you have to put your faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened for that short period of six months ministry while John was preaching was just because Jesus had not yet been identified. If you're going to get saved today, you put your faith and trust in the finished works of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what those works are that Jesus finished, you study your Old Testament. He was God's sacrifice for our sins. He did not come to destroy the law, but he fulfilled every part of it. Uh, I like to illustrate it this way. When, if, if you take out a loan at the bank and you pay it off, does the bank call you up and say, give us more money? No, that loan has been satisfied. Uh, in fact, uh, many churches will have a burning of their mortgage when, when they finally satisfy the mortgage. We, we could not do that because we'd need a permit from the fire department. It was that thick. 
Uh, and so we just stuck it in the safe. So we have it there in case anybody asks or whatever. Um, but Jesus did not destroy the law. He fulfilled it. He paid its every due. So a person in the Old Testament gets saved by believing in the words of God. And they would then take their sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem. So what happened to Daniel, who was definitely an Old Testament saint? He was, uh, the temple was destroyed when he was a little child, a teenager at, at the most. He was taken to the land of Babylon, where he died in the city of Babylon at 80-some years old under the Persian king Cyrus, having endured the entire uh, reign of the Babylonian Empire. The new empire came in, and he was still there. Never once in his adult life was he able to offer a sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. Did Daniel go to heaven? Absolutely. Because his faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. The works do not save you. Faith saves you. But if you have faith, it had better work. Amen? And this was the message that Paul was teaching to the Thessalonians. And why I took time to answer that question tonight. It says, for you... Excuse me. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. Paul says, listen, Thessalonians, you know that my time that I spent with you was not wasted time. It was, we were not just giving you reform, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome to you, burdensome as apostles of Christ, but were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believed. And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Now, I would hope, as I just read through those verses and you read with me, that you will see that there is not a great deal of interpretation needed to get this message. 
These were just simple, plain words uh, of a man who had had a ministry there, who had left the church there. And, and Paul said, listen, not only did we want to impart to you the gospel, he said we wanted to impart our own souls. And uh, Paul said, you know how our entry to you was gentle and yet in Verse 2, he says, bold. You can be bold and gentle at the same time. You do not have to be. I, I met some preachers that were just plain mean. And, and uh, you don't have to be mean to give out the gospel of God. But the gospel is, <coughs> excuse me, the gospel of Jesus Christ can be offensive because you have to give up whatever it is you're holding on to to embrace Christ. You cannot hold on to your religion. The Jewish people that were in the city of Thessalonica could not hold on to their heritage as they were for two reasons. Number one, they had to understand that Jesus was the fulfillment but number two, the other Jewish people who refused to believe in Jesus wouldn't allow them to continue in the Jewish culture and in the Jewish group. The church, when it first met, met in Solomon's porch in the temple. That went on until a guy named Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, started persecuting. And, and, and so they had to begin meeting in homes in different places to stay out of jail and to and to stay free uh, because of what Paul was doing and, and and so now Paul is taking the message here that same message that he persecuted to the people in Thessalonica and he goes on he says listen here our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness nor in guile and how many times can we illustrate this? How many ways of different religions that come along trying to pre preach the truth that have guile, deceit, and uncleanness as a part of all their religion? How many of you remember old Jim Jones of Guyana tragedy? Uh, it, uh, the man was an incredible liar. An imposter. And as they begin to uncover the records and the details of how that organization ran, they found every type of sin mentioned in the Bible rampant in the organization, going right up to Mr. Jones himself. And yet people followed him. Why? Because once you choose not to follow this book called the Bible, let me tell you, you have no protection against the tricks of the devil. You're going to fall prey to something. The only protection you have is this word. And that's why we have to stay with it and we have to be careful. And, and Paul says that uh, we were not here to please men, but we were here to please God. And he goes on to tell, he didn't seek glory, he didn't seek to be uplifted. And they even, it says, labored night and day, meaning that Paul and those that were with him were 
spending whatever time they could witnessing and talking to people, but they also had to earn a living to uh, pay for their expenses. And if we'll remember, going through the book of Philippians, the only church that sent money to help was the church in Philippi. You know, I wonder if Lydia had something to do with that. Don't you just think that she constrained uh, Paul to live in her home? And, and, and it, it tells us here in the Bible, ladies, there's a place of service. Let's be faithful, every one of us, to what God has called us to do. That as the body of Christ, we can move forward. And, and so Paul was working so that he wouldn't be chargeable. He said, we were there, we were taking care of you as a father doth his children. Now, here's the challenge in verse 12, and and this would be the main part of our study tonight, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. You know what? There is a calling for the life of every Christian to be a part, to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ really and truly is one of the greatest responsibilities you can exercise as a child of God. Um, we don't put a great deal of, uh, of emphasis on, on that. I'm not calling for members every meeting, every altar call. But in order to be a member of this church, you've got to do a couple of things. One is you've got to be saved the Bible way. Then you've got to be baptized the Bible way. And you've got to want to follow in the fellowship of the church. You'll find those things in Acts chapter 2. They that gladly received the word were baptized the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's what church is. And, and Paul says here that I'm challenging you Thessalonians to walk worthy of the name Christian. And, and we ought to let that be in our hearts and in our minds as we make decisions on how we will expend our time and our life effort during the week and what we will do that, that we would actually do honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, listen, we were there, we entreated you, we imparted to you the gospel as much as is possible. He says, we imparted our own souls as well. There was a deep and, and very affectionate connection here. And then we get to the second half of this chapter. And Paul starts in verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea, are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So now, Paul is saying, 
wait a minute, let's, let's look at this. He says, one of the reasons I am so thankful for what went on in Thessalonica is because you received the Word of God as it was. The Word of God. Not just the words of men, not just another new thing to try, but you received it, it said, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, what Paul is simply saying is, there was a difference in the life of those Thessalonians that had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ compared to those that didn't. And we know that Paul is referring mostly here not to the Jewish element of the church, but to the Greek element of the church because he says, you've suffered many things of your own countrymen just like the Jews in Jerusalem. He said, there is a pattern here in the church. You see, the true church of Jesus Christ has never, ever been welcomed by the world. Because it's against the world. You have to leave the world to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there, there is no friendship. There's no middle ground there. And Paul says, you received this book and it changed the way you live. That's one of the reasons why you will hear me continually, almost every sermon. And I, I don't uh, mean to, to just be... Uh, uh, staying on the same subject, but we need to understand this. If Jesus is living in your heart, you ought to be living differently than those around you who are not. Your music ought to be different. Your entertainment ought to be different. Your clothing ought to be different. Your attitude ought to be different. Your walk ought to be different. Your talk, everything about you. Someone said, you haven't changed the way you combed your hair in 40 years. That's exactly true. And and as long as I have hair to comb, I'm going to comb it just this way. Uh, If it all falls out, well then, I won't be combing it. And I won't get a toupee either. Um... You'll just have to put up with the reflection. Maybe we'll find some anti-glare cream to put on it or something. Uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, I, I don't want anyone coming up behind, are you a girl or a guy? How many of you have ever done that? I mean, it happens. And... Tongue-in-cheek, I, I, I would just like to say out loud, I normally don't. I don't know that I ever have. Ladies, if he's got better hair than you do, you really ought to be careful. Amen? Uh, if he's got longer hair and it, it looks nicer than fuller than your hair, then maybe you ought to look somewhere else. Uh, there just might be evidence there's some problems there. Ladies? We, we want you to be ladies. We want, you, we want to give you the opportunity not to have to compete with men here in this church. And we preach against that kind of understanding of life. And we've had some difficulties over the years. But listen, 
we're trying to live God's way. Why? Because just as Paul brought the gospel message to the Thessalonians, we have the gospel message here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And just as Jesus gave a testimony to the Thessalonian people that went throughout all the Roman Empire, wherever the name of Christ was named, and it wasn't only the Jewish people persecuting the Christians, it was also the Greek people persecuting the Christians. And one of the reasons that stirred them up is we have these Jewish people running in and saying, they're preaching a new king, not Caesar, but uh, Jesus. Now, you have to stop and think about this. Just a few years after this letter was written, Rome sent its legions to one Jewish um, outpost called Masada. There was, after the destruction of the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., there was several hundred people ran up there to Herod's old fortress and locked the doors and told the Roman soldiers they weren't coming in. And when Caesar heard about it, when the Roman government heard about it, they sent the legions out there and besieged the place until they took it. See, you have to understand that when someone starts mentioning another king, that meant that the Roman legions were coming and they weren't leaving until everybody was dead. And so that was a very fearful thing. You really didn't want that happening. And and so many of the people who were uh, uh, in a, uh, in the Roman Empire had a position said, listen, we're not going to destroy this city because of these Christians and, and tried to stamp them out and stop them just for political and uh, and uh, survival. I mean, you, the Romans were not very kind to anybody. The, fortunately, at this time, the, the Christian people themselves had not come up on the, ro- the Roman screen of operations yet. They just thought they were a little sect of the Jews until there were more Christians than there were Jews all of a sudden. And that's when the great uh, Nero decided to try to blame the Christians for the destruction of Rome. How many of you know what he was really trying to do? He was trying to burn down the slums of Rome so he could build a new great city and he was going to rename Rome Neropolis after himself. You saw how successful that was, right? Uh, It's still known as Rome and people don't even call their dogs Nero today. Uh, Not unless it's a crazy dog. And uh, yet... The cause of Christ here, and let's just finish this out. He says, For ye, verse 14, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please Not God, but are contrary to all men. 
forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins alway, for their wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Now, Paul is talking about the Jewish people here. And, of course, if we were to proclaim loudly these things, we would probably have the Anti-Semitic League after us and a few other things. But all that Paul is speaking here is, the Jewish people were physically responsible for the crucifixion of Christ. But how many of you have read John chapter 10, verse 17? Who was responsible for the death of Christ? Jesus said, I lay down my life that I might take it again. Isaiah 53 prophesies Jesus' death. In the garden, he prayed, Father, not my will, but thine, but this reason I've come. Jesus did not shy away from the cross. But somebody had to manipulate the events to make it to happen. Jesus could not just walk up to the Roman governor and say, kill me. You think Pilate would have listened? He would have done everything in his power to do it some other way to, but God fulfilled every prophecy. And listen, when people refuse, our, our missionary Gary Lucas, you know who he's had the greatest difficulty in Novosibirsk from the greatest persecution? Not the communist, not the present government of Russia, but the Russian Orthodox Church. That has been his greatest difficulty because they rejected the truth centuries ago. And now that Brother Gary is there in the town Novospirsk preaching the truth, guess what? They're after him just like the Jews were after the churches of Jesus Christ. This is, this is nothing new. Uh, there's a pattern here. And they were following that pattern. And Paul says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. Now here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I wanted to come. In fact, when we get to the book of 2 Thessalonians, you know what we're going to find out? Somebody wrote a letter to the Thessalonian church and signed Paul's name to it, but said blasphemous and uh, uh, untrue uh, things and tried to sow false doctrine among the church there. And Paul wrote that second letter to the Thessalonians to help them stay on the right track. He says, you know what my, my life goal is? When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a church from Thessalonica 
represented in the saints of God at the judgment seat of Christ. He said, that is what I'm excited about. And that is my crown, and that is my rejoicing. I'll tell you, as a church, we've supported many missionaries. Right now, I think we support about 68, 65, somewhere around that. The number keeps changing. Uh, I think most of you know Brother Wolski, because of health, had to come off the field there in Poland. And uh, several other missionaries uh, have had to uh, uh, come off the field, and others are uh, having other health problems and things. But our missions conference is coming up. You know what? When we give, we have a part in the church in Novosibirsk, in Budapest, in the other town where Brother um, Carney is right now, starting a second church there in the land of Hungary. Uh, we have parts in all over the world. You know, it was said of the British Empire at its height at the turn of the, well, just before World War II, that the sun never set on the British flag. Well, you know what? We can say the sun never sets on the ministry of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church because our missionaries are all over the world. And you know what our rejoicing ought to be? The fact that our church has had a part in all of those ministries. We're following the pattern. There, there is no ministry every, anywhere that has not faced great opposition as they tried to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. From Papua New Guinea to wherever those missionaries serve. You know what our rejoicing ought to be? In the fact that the gospel's going out. This is what Paul was saying. It's been given to us. It is our responsibility to go into all the world. We can do that without leaving our pews. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We be faithful here, and we're helping others be faithful in every continent where people live. And this is simply what the Apostle Paul was doing. If we wanted to sum it up in the words of the Apostle Paul, he said, I charge you to walk worthy of the God that gave you your salvation. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you prepare our hearts for the time of prayer to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you have something extra that you'd like to pray about, some burden on your heart, the altar is open, and then we'll get into our prayer time.